Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Next Steps podcast from Westridge Church, where we want to help you discover how you can take your next step in your journey with Jesus. I'm Steve Veal. I'm the Groups and Connections Pastor here at Westridge Church, and I'm here with my good friend, Tyler Newsom, who is also with uh, our staff here and serves in our young adults ministry. How are you doing today, Tyler? Doing good, Steve. Good. Steve, I'm just going to tell you, um, this is a big words podcast. I've noticed as I'm reading through our script and listening yesterday, there's some big words that's going to be in this podcast, and I'm not confident that I can pronounce them all correctly. Are you ready to correct me? Yeah, you need to give me an example. I'm going to need some time to get these words right. So I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to introduce our guests, okay. and, uh, and I'm going to work on some of these big words. Okay. First, we got Carla Davis, Director hey. of Assimilations here at Westridge. How are you doing, Carla? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And then we have Ruth Wittenbrook, Director of Global Missions here, Global Outreach here at Westridge. How are you doing, Ruth? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm just excited to be here. We're excited for you to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so really quick. Carla, tell us what it looks like to be a director of assimilations here at Westridge. That's a very good question because that's one of those big words, Tyler. <laughs> assimilation. I nailed had it. Way too much fun with that. So um, I have the coolest role here at Westridge because I get to help people connect and to make th- take their next step. I um, am over the new members class, but we call it partnership, and it's called Next Steps. Imagine that. <laughs> Next step. Yeah, that's something we say a lot yes, here. It must that. mean something really good. It means good. a lot. And so we, and even through Next Steps, we're able to connect people to serving teams and groups. Or um, I just help them get through the process that we call the Get Connected process, where we even allow people to get connected with prayer. Um, if they have questions or concerns when it comes to care and things like that, we're able to get them connected to those things as well. Yeah. So, Carla, just just to keep it real for a minute, mm-hmm. okay? We want to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. So, fast. when someone has signed up to serve on a team and you call them seven times and they never return your call, how, just tell me how how do you how does it make you feel? Just it's pretty painful, be- <laughs> Pastor. I really wish people would call me back. If I call you, call me back. There you go. Period. You're being so nice in this podcast nice. right now. <laughs> I love it, Ruth. In a COVID world, tell me what global outreach looks like. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, COVID has not been good for anybody, but especially not global missions when our access to the rest of the world has been completely cut off. But, you know, the thing that we remember here is God has not canceled the Great Commission. So we know that we cannot just stop. Um, Sometimes I just want to curl in a ball and have a little pity party. But God won't allow me to do that. So I've been doing a lot of learning, a lot of planning, so that when we do hit the ground, we're going to hit the ground running mm. because it's going to be better than ever. And, you know, it's just been a good time just to to learn and to plan. Yeah. So it's been good. It's not, you know, we have to look for the good sometimes yeah. instead of, contemplating on only the bad. Sure. I'll tell you, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not been on a global missions trip here with us, um, I really want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. And the reason is, it's such a great opportunity to get a global perspective of the gospel and to see how the church functions and works out the gospel in, their, in a community that's so different 
than what we're used to. It really is very eye-opening. It's bonding. You you uh, you get a chance to make lifelong friends. In fact, I ran into somebody yesterday in our atrium that I went to Spain with. And, uh, and she's like, if you ever go or if we ever go back to Spain, you need to let me know because I'm dying to go. I said, well, you know, you need to pray for Ruth so that she, <laughs> so that she, so that she allows us pray to go back to Pray for COVID. Pray for the to world to, to open back up. But yeah, yeah you're right. People... They, they go on trips thinking, you know, I'm going to go and bless somebody on the other That's side of right. the world or mm-hmm. bless somebody that in this condition or that condition. But really, in all reality, you're the one that's blessed. You come back a changed person. You sometimes experience sharing the gospel for the first time with a stranger, and it makes you realize, if I can do that in Spain, if I can do that in Nicaragua or Guatemala, I can do that with my neighbor. And yeah. so it changes us and... and it helps. So I'm going to put in a little plug, okay? So if you are listening to this podcast today and you are part of a small group and somebody in your small group is going on a trip and they're raising money, I would love to challenge you as a small group to get behind that person or that couple and come around them. My group has done that for me multiple times, me and Christy, right. and sent us out as a group. You know, a lot of times, for whatever reason, job or whatever, people don't feel like they can go. Um, but you can help somebody else go, and you can help a friend or a family or a, um, a a group member to be a part of that. And we come back and we celebrate that with our group, and it really is an awesome, an awesome thing. That's right. If you're supporting somebody to go, in a sense, you are going the same that they are. You are doing your part to help them yeah. go, and you can be part of that group right alongside of them. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, too, I'm super excited to have you guys here on our podcast today. I know you guys are going to have great input on this um, on this subject today. And as you guys know, and, and to help you as our listeners know, that we have this podcast so that we can just each and every week kind of unpack and give some of our thoughts about um, what was taught here over the weekend uh, at our services here at Westridge. And so we call this the After Message episode, and this is another one of those episodes. And so um, this week, we are... Are still in the series called Authentic. It's been a great series um, where we're studying the book of James. And this week, Pastor Brian titled his message, The Problem with Prejudice. It's from James chapter two, uh, the first half of that chapter. And what a compelling, first of all, what a compelling piece of scripture. Um, and then what a great, uh, uh, compelling um, message that Brian gave yesterday for us just to unpack it. And uh, it, it was really, really good. And so I know each of you had a chance um, to listen to that and be a part of that and, and interacted with it. And so I just kind of want to ask you, what did you find interesting or challenging in your own mind uh, for yourself or for our church or for your community um, from the message yesterday? Wow, it was a great message yesterday. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I was equally surprised about, but also challenged by, is the story that Brian shared about how he was trying to reach a particular group, a group Mm. of students that were kind of dressed in a grunge look, and how, you know, even some of the leaders, you know, didn't even want to accept those people in the church and felt like they were going to taint or, you know, harm some of the others, the students. And so to prove a point, Brian dressed up in grunge. He talked about how um, he kept his head down. He stood in the back and not one person spoke to him, not even a leader. And that just really like hurt my heart to think that people in a church setting would act that way towards someone. But it also challenged me 
to evaluate how am I thinking uh, um, about reacting to people mm-hmm. that are different from me? Mm-hmm. Um, do I approach someone? Do I make them feel welcome? Yep. People that are different from me, or do I gravitate more towards people that are alike, that are more like me? Um, and so it was a good challenge. Um, I love what James 2 verse 1 says, believers sh- should not show favoritism um, in the church. You know, if, if we're thinking it's primarily, you know, made up of believers, how horrible is that, that we would be treating somebody, you know, different? Yeah. Um, that really hit home. Yeah. And I felt like um, I have definitely felt a little bit of discrimination um, in the past. Um, as a woman in a director position, uh, it, it's in a mostly male-dominated field. Uh, I have definitely felt that uh, before. Uh, I've met other global leaders who have asked me what my position is, and I'll tell them, and then they'll say, okay, well, who's the pastor yeah, over who's your, your bot, area? Right. And yeah. I'm like, um, <laughs> well, at Westridge, they have, you know, asked me to lead this area. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, are really surprised by that. Um, people on, I've had people on teams treat me differently as a w- female leader. I've had c- conversations with people mm-hmm. who have said, I have a hard time following you as a female when I'm a male. And that that's it's hurtful. Uh, I appreciate their honesty, but it's really it's really hurtful. And after so many incidents like that, I mean, I could get hung up on that. Like mm-hmm. and it could make me start questioning, am I the right person for this role? Like mm-hmm. should a female be in this role? And especially when I'm unhealthy, if I haven't been spending enough yeah. time in the word, if mm-hmm. I haven't been letting Christ fill me up instead of, you know, other junk that I may choose to to watch or listen to. Ruth, let um, me ask you a question if I can inter- interrupt yeah. you for just a second. So yeah. where does your mind go when, if you're, you mentioned being, you know, when you're unhealthy, I think that's yeah. very, yeah. that's super important and, and very self-aware. Um, where does your mind go? How does it make you feel when somebody kind of questions you and, and when, when you mentioned, you know, who's your pastor, <laughs> who's the, right. who's, who's the real leader? Right. Um, I just want to ask you, how does that make, like, where does your mind go and how does it make you feel? Well, and then makes, how do you deal with that? It makes me feel unworthy. It makes mm. me feel less than, or like I don't deserve to be in that spot. Mm. When I'm in a healthy place, I can turn those thoughts around and I can say. What does that look like? Well, that looks like, you know, if I'm spending more time with the Lord, if I'm starting my day with Him, if I'm immersing myself in Scripture, if I'm praying and confessing my thoughts to the Lord, I'm I'm in a more healthy spot. And then when something hurtful like that happens, I can say, no, I deserve to be here because God put me here. Mm -hmm. I am here because He chose me. He knew that I was a woman. He knew my strengths. He knew my weaknesses. And He allowed it to happen. My worth is not dependent on what other people think about me. He chose me, and I need to walk with Him. I need to rely on Him. And I can't do this by myself. Rely on Him to help me. I can't control what others say or think about me. I can only control the way that I react to them. That's good. And so I can rest in that when I'm in a healthy place. Um, If I'm if I'm not, my mind can go straight to a bad place with that. That's that's really good. So you two, what are you guys? Anything challenging or 
or I actually had the exact same. I pulled out the same story um, mm-hmm. that Ruth did with um, mm-hmm. how Pastor had done the experiment with the student ministry and dressing in the goth. Um, and my same thing, like what is in my, living in my heart that would allow me to not approach someone or um and in my answer truly sometimes it's I just want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to be courageous um mm-hmm. when I'm um or vulnerable to mm-hmm. invite someone in. Mm-hmm. Um so those are some of the things that stuck out to me and pastor had said something um and he says uh when we're in in general prejudice Prejudice is always an issue that stands as a barrier between the gospel and the lost people. And that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And then um, being a believer, I just want to take that a step further. Prejudice is always an issue and stands um, as a barrier between each other as believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done this to each other. Um and I was listening to Ruth, and she was saying how, um, you know, when people approach her and they say, I have a problem, you know, following you because you're a female, a woman. And she's like, and, sh- and she said, um, you know, I-, I have to, if I'm not in a healthy place where my thoughts go, my thought initially went, they had no business saying that to her <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, yeah. She shouldn't have to own that. Yeah. That person that mm. said that to her should should own that they were the they were wrong. Yeah, and I mean, so many times as believers, we put each other in these weird spots, yeah. and I'm going home wounded, and you went on your way, you know. Yeah, right. We're still dwelling on it. We're still yeah. dwelling on it, and they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. They're fine. <laughs> and they don't even. Yeah, and 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 I, I Kyle, it'd be interesting to see what you have to say. You know, just as as a as a fellow, but. What really stuck out to me yesterday was the fact that we're all guilty of it in some way. Yes. You know, if, if you can't, if you reach at the beginning of, um, of chapter two and you don't see yourself somewhere in that, then, then I, I don't think you have much self-awareness because we all have certain biases, you know, and, and we all show partiality in some way. Um, let's be honest. Some of it's a lot more destructive. Than other ways, mm-hmm. it, it just is, and so maybe the way that we show it isn't quite as destructive as what maybe what somebody else is. But later on, we're going to talk as we get later in these verses mm-hmm. about how serious God is about this. Yeah. But so, Tyler, you have anything? Yeah, um, I want to kind of speak on that a little bit, and then transition us to kind of another good question to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when when we start to listen to or agree with prejudices, we're instantly making the decision that God made a mistake somewhere. Like, um, for instance, someone challenging your position, either of your positions in ministry would be saying that God made a mistake, they should have put a man there. And that's just not true. That's not that's not something true. When When we would say someone of another race or someone of a different social class um, is a believer and active in the church, and you know they start to people start to look at them in a way. I don't know if you're the one for this, or I don't know if we're saying God didn't put them there, um, or just like Brian's story, uh, God never. It, 
God didn't create those individuals that are wearing that type of clothes that made their way into the church building. That's totally God allowing them to be there and in the presence of the gospel to be heard. But yet, God must have made a mistake. Why are they here? Why is that group of people here? Mm -hmm. So, when we wrestle with that, I think Brian also brought some really good um, points to the table yesterday, three specifically, that really makes us think um, when we start to, when, when partiality starts to become something that, that we live through and live with in our lives, mm-hmm. there's three things Brian said that that, that is and, and the problems with that. One is that it's inconsistent with the way God works, kind of what I just said, as yeah. if God made a mistake. Yeah. Um, two, it ignores, it ignores the universe. Here's that, that big word. <laughs> this is the big word I was worried about all along universality of sin. Very good. In other words, sin is yeah. for all of us. I mean, yep. sin's it through, it's, it's just everyone. No one's immune. Um, and then three, it's inconsistent um, with the instructions we see in Scripture. So assuming that we all agree with these three points that he, that Brian said, why do, why do you guys think um, that we continue as Christ followers, committed Christ followers, to struggle with these um, prejudices. Hey, you said it, Tyler. You said it. And Steve, you did too. We don't see it. We don't see our own mm. biases. And mm. then part of it is not knowing that we're this way. And the other part is knowing and not being willing to do anything about it. So you can rationalize it. You can justify your biases. And we get into crowds that have the same biases as us. And it's, again, we're comfortable in that. Um, And then we can remain biased or or have discrimination because it doesn't impact us. Mm. Um, So in the scriptures, he uses the the imagery of wealth and class. And um, I'm like, why are we like this? You know, we put all this value on wealth and class and not on the image of God, his creation. We don't put any value on that. And and why do we do that? And for some, some, you know, in my sin nature, somehow just rubbing shoulders with the cool kids, with the cool people are supposedly going to make me more cool uh, or something like that. And I feel like sometimes we're, we're able to do that because we're able to um, wrestle with these certain prejudices because we lack empathy. Um, my mom used to tell me, you know, you need to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And I was little. I didn't understand what that was. But I'm grown now, and I completely understand what that means. And um, I, I'm just going to read James 2, um, verses 3 through 4. If you, so, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And I'm thinking to myself, this wasn't like at the movie theater. <laughs> this was at the house of the Lord but where you worship in your meetings together. And you're telling someone to sit by your feet. Mm. Sit in that. Sit in that for a minute. Mm-hmm. As though as the one is, is created you know, by God differently yeah. than the other person. Oh, you got, you have yeah. the nice things. You, you sit, you yeah. can sit here in this good seat, but you, mm, you sit, you can sit by my feet. And I'm just like, wow. 
And I think it's just such a misrepresentation of who God is. Mm-hmm. We devalue the cross when we do this. We devalue the work of um, the cross that puts us all on the same playing field. We dismantle and untie the one thing that ties us together, and that's Jesus, yeah. when we act like this. And the thing is, we're pretty terrible at judging things with our eyes and what mm-hmm. in appearances. Kind of suck at it, yeah. if I was to be honest. Um, but then, and then we attach all these assumptions to what we see mm-hmm. and then can turn around and tell somebody, you, you sit right here by my feet. Yeah. That's disgusting. So, so Carla, let me ask you a question. So we work really closely together cause we're on the same team Yes, sir. and, and, and we, uh, love each other a lot. We, um, so as a staff, mm-hmm. Brian has, has walked us through, um, a, a, an ongoing education of, having a lot to do with racial reconciliation. Yes. And we all read a book that that really had a had a deep and profound impact in my life is by a black pastor named Tony Evans. Um I highly recommend the book. It's not an easy read. It, it's 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 a bit deep and but it's man is it thorough. And it not only uh helped me uh have a greater understanding of the biblical challenge and trouble that with prejudice but also the cultural and the historical and all it really he really did a great job laying it all out and we not only had a chance to read it and um together but we also discussed it together and i felt like i grew i know that we we heard this all the time the staff just grew in our understanding and so i think tyler to answer your question and i wonder what you guys think is a lot of times the reason we keep doing it, I think you, you said it perfectly, is the fact that we don't see it. We don't see it. And, and the reason I mentioned that book is because I learned so much and my eyes were opened so much after reading that book and looking at the, the, the scripture that Tony brought out. And so I think what that kind of means is, man, while we have to keep educating each other, man, we just have to have grace. You know, we have to, we just have to have grace for each other because, um, a lot of people are, are yet uneducated. So we need to educate them, right? We need to educate, we need to be educated. We need to educate others, but we also need to show grace. So here, I, I guess I want to ask you this, um, both of you really is so you're, you're both gals and Carla, you're, um, a black woman mm-hmm. on our staff. And so I assume that each of you have had to really deal with this, particularly you, Carla, mm-hmm. being uh, one of the few uh, black people we have on our team and, and not a black church and in a community where um, you're, there's probably less black people than any other, you know, whatever. So you probably had to learn a lot of grace. You've I had to deal with, with a lot. Of, <laughs> so how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you have grace for committed Christians who should know better, that, but don't? They don't know better yet. Mm. I would say it's it's uh it's not always easy. Um I cry a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I was to be honest, I hold stuff close to my chest a lot. Mm-hmm. I get angry a lot. Um and then I just uh poor Chuck, my husband Chuck, he 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 has to do ministry when I get home sometimes. Um and then uh I want to be able to like not say statements with like there's no hope or anything, but it is um a constant longing and desire for my 
brothers and sisters to be an ally when it comes to race. And and I know we don't want this conversation to be totally on that, but I really do. But to to like see the hurt, to see the the pain, to see, you know, what your brothers and sisters that are black and brown are walking through and to and to be, you know, an ally in that you're not going to be quiet. You're not going to be silent um, when you see people hurting. Um, I, I think that would be my my greatest thing. And then to not make assumptions about people because they're black and brown. Yes, mm-hmm. we have these cultural differences, but wow, we have these cultural differences. That's right. That's dope. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God didn't make us, you know, all one flavor. He's dope and cool because he didn't do that. You know, you'll find that in uh, Hezekiah. Yes, yes, that's exactly. <laughs> this is why we all love Carla because she says words like dope. Yeah, that if we said it, we'd be like, we get this, people look at us like, no, right. no, don't ever say that again. Right. That's all. I just, yeah. I just really wish my brothers and sisters would be like, you know what? Enough is enough. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to do something about yeah. this. Well, it's, it, it's a big deal. I mean, it, it's a serious, which is one of the reasons I think Brian has been so passionate about this. I think it speaks deeply into um, the culture, mm-hmm. which which speaks into the vibrancy of the church, and and it's really really important. And what I thought was really compelling was in James um, chapter two verse eleven, James actually equates prejudice. Yeah. Um, um, with m- adultery and murder, and I'm reading that, and, and I'll be honest, it, it, it gave me pause because mm. I just went, if someone commits adultery in the church, then we exercise church discipline. We exer- we exercise church discipline. They're removed from a, a ministry team. You know, there's an accountability group that's brought around them, and they get the help and counseling if they need. Or what? Or what I mean, we we respond, we act. If somebody commits murder, they go into jail. I mean, mean, they are going to jail. So, and yet God says, same plane, same level. That that's Mm -hmm. that's extreme. I I mean, I it it feels extreme, you know. So, why do you think it? Why would God put those on the same level in your mind? I think it shows how important it is to him. Yeah. Which, you know, he's he's passionate about this. He it's important to him um f- for me to hear Carla say Carla's one of my best friends. For me to hear her say she cries a lot because of the way she can be treated that she can get closed up and that she runs to her husband because he's a safe place. I'm glad that she has that. But it reminds me that we have to be so intentional to check on our friends and to open up those conversations Mm -hmm. and to say, share with me how you're really doing Mm -hmm. because I want to be authentic with you. I want you to be authentic with me. I want to hear you know what your struggles are like. We we don't like to talk about our struggles, especially if we feel like we're going to be judged by the way that we feel. And so it reminds me just to be extra intentional with people, um, just to to really pull out mm. from them, you know how they're feeling, how they're doing, 
um, and not just make assumptions that yeah. everything's okay because they look like yeah, they're okay. I agree. You know, people, <clears throat> Brian said it yesterday, and, you know, this isn't something that we would ignore um, just because it's hard to talk about, but it people will sometimes do and and want to hear scriptural gymnastics to to get to kind of bypass this topic because it's a hard topic and there's a lot of hurt and pain that goes into this topic and some people just want to ignore it mm-hmm. and when we as a church and our pastor kind of fights this head on there's going to be people that don't want to hear it even though it needs to be said and mm-hmm. it's in there because like we said earlier God didn't make a mistake he didn't make a mistake in creating people differently. He didn't make a mistake in including this in Scripture. Um, so it's something that is in there. And when it's going to get preached on, people are going to sometimes you know, get mad and have different opinions, but it, it's God's Word. It has to be said. So I've heard people say recently that continuing to bring up this topic is causing division or it feels divisive. But I disagree with that because yeah. if we try to hide it under the rug, then we're never going to heal from it. We're never if we don't bring the attention to it that it deserves and bring up the open, honest conversations, then it's it's going to be divisive and not healing. Yeah, well, you know what I think. Cr- when I was trying to wrestle through murder, adultery, prejudice, partiality. And I'm trying to make sense, you know, uh, of that. Well, first of all, our economy is not the same as God's economy. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's number one. But you know, Christ died. Not you know, as 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 honest and real as I can be, Christ died for the sake of community, right? He died for the sake of community, mm. so that we could have community with one another and with Him. Community with one another and with Him. The second thing is. When we show partiality, so we walk into um, a gathering, and I want to be near that guy, and I really don't want to be near that guy because I'm afraid if I hang out with him, though people will think we're friends, and I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want them to think that because this is what I think of, you know, blah 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 blah. We, right. you know, I know you all don't do that, but <laughs> but but what are we? What, what's happening right there? I tell you what's happening. We are becoming our own functional saviors. I want to be friends and next to that guy because that's going to elevate you know, elevate me mm-hmm. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that person over there is going to de-elevate mm-hmm. me in, in some way or another. And so I fear that, which is about which is not letting God be God. Mm-hmm. And and that elevates me, which is not letting God be God. And God wants to be our function. He wants mm-hmm. to be our supply, right? He wants to be our hope. And I think that when we're showing partial, number one, we're breaking down community. And the second thing is we are being our own functional savior rather than letting God be God. And to him, you know, that is that is just as bad. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're taking the scepter out of the king's hands. We really don't because we can't. But but for ourselves, we are taking the scepter out of king the hands of King Jesus. And that breaks his heart, I think. And so does adultery, and mm-hmm. so does murder. It br- because all of them are relational, mm-hmm. right? All of those things are relational. Right. You know, partiality, adultery, um, murder—it all has to do with sin against people, right? You know, and it breaks down community. All right. I want to pose one encouraging kind of as we close thought of 
what could be around the corner? What 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 could be on the horizon mm. when it comes to this topic? Um, James's message to us in verse twelve and thirteen is. Let love be your law and mercy be your message. Um, just as kind of a, a, a big idea, what does what do you think it would look like if the church community and Christians embraced that totally and moved forward with that and, and kind of standing on on that? How could how could we see change to this? And what do you guys think? If um if we let love be our law and mercy be our message, there would not be enough space in these churches. Mm. Um, the things we could do would be unimaginable. We can't even imagine it um, because of the unity we would have. Um, I know the community would believe us when we said who we are, mm. and they would uh, believe who Jesus says he was. Um, for me personally, you could walk into a room and it would feel safe and... Um, people would allow you to be yourself. Hmm. Um, we would bear one another differently. Hmm. And um, the good that the church would produce would be undeniable. Yeah, it's so good. Brian said it yesterday that um, if we just took that one commandment seriously to love God and love our neighbor, we would change the world. And I believe that. I mean, because people are attracted to love. They're attracted to mercy. Um, they're not attracted to judgment and shame mm -hmm. and condemnation. Um, as Christians, we need to show what we're for more than we than what we're against. Um, what what is that saying that bees attract uh, are more attracted to honey than vinegar? Mm -hmm. Like let's let's just show others how much we love them. And they'll gravitate towards us and to the to the church, the big C church. Right. Yeah, I, I think it'd be. I agree with you guys. I think it'd be transformational. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do. I I don't think. Boy, we'd be tired because we mm -hmm. would have mm -hmm. nine services a week. Right. You know, and, and the reason I think it's because is is we all struggle with ourselves, and to know that I can come into a group of people. After having lived with people who have a different mindset all together, all week long, having lived with them, schooled with them, worked with them, and and tried to do ministry among them, and to come together with my family where there is unconditional acceptance, right. unconditional acceptance, and be myself and bring my baggage and all of those things and not have to be as just as defensive in the gathering as I am out of the gathering mm -hmm. is would be so healing and be so powerful. And I like what each of you said where you talked about the community would would recognize us and would listen to us. Mm -hmm. I mean that's the whole reason Brian named this this whole um this whole series authentic. But great conversation. Yeah, and it wouldn't be the next steps podcast without us giving a few small next steps. As yeah. a listener, there's Several things we offer here at Westridge that you could be a part of and jump into that is going to help change your heart in some way mm -hmm. um, towards how you view biblical community and other believers. One mm -hmm. would be to jump in and serve on a team here at Westridge mm -hmm. on Sunday mornings. I mean, being around a group of people that are different than you, but still serving God in a way of putting on a Sunday service. I know Carla 
Christy Meldrum, both you guys could could use people on that team. You can go to westridge.com slash serve. Um, and then westridge.com slash missions. If you want to serve um, in the community, uh, one day when we open back up globally again, um, Ruth would love to be able to get you on a team one day. Uh, you can go to, to westridge.com slash missions. And Steve, as always, That's right. joining a group yep. continues to be kind of the lifeblood that um, makes all this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not group. We've said this before. Groups are not the end goal. Right. It's not like, boom, you're in a group, you're done. No, being around a biblical community of people in groups shapes you to be more and more like Jesus. That's right. And you get to gain so many different perspectives. So just like we did this morning, guys, it's, it's been really good. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, it's been another good week. Can't wait to get together again next week. Until then, Westridge, know that you're loved.